What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, March 30th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside, for the first time in forever, the busiest lady in the business, Andrea Renee. What's good, Greg? Wow. (laughs) Kevin's clapping at home, which he hasn't done for any of the We Have Cool Friends, so that is a big moment there for you. Thanks, Kevin. I missed you guys so much. We missed you too, Andrea. How How long have you been gone now? Um, so my last show was in September wow. the week before I moved. I think it was like September 10th or September 11th. Something gotcha. Like gotcha. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Because uh, I, I don't know about you, but time has definitely lost all meaning in 2020. 100%. Can you believe it? It's still March, Greg. I cannot still believe it's <laughs> March at all. I was watching, you know, uh, Tomas from Remedy put up about, I, I am doing my dice expense reports and that feels like a lifetime ago. And I was like, holy shit. Dice was last month, and not only last month, like not even yet. Like if you, it's just like I don't even know what's going on. I, time is just a flat circle. I can't keep up with it anymore. No, I'm with you. I was also going through some some photos and things, and I saw the stuff from CES, and that even feels further ago, but it wasn't. Right. Only yeah. just like, you know, a couple months ago. We're still in Q1 technically. Outrageous. Uh, yeah. How's everything going? What's good? Everything is going great. Um, as you can see, we've got our brand new studio up and running. It's Thank beautiful. You. It's beautiful. A Matt Scarpino joint, right? Yes, exactly. Go Button Production. Shout out to Matt and Hannah for being fantastic to work with. Um, so it's been going awesome. And Brittany and I launched a brand new show, which you can see behind me. What's Good Games Live is our new live show. This is going to be right after KFGD, actually. We were thinking about, hmm, what time should we do this show? <laughs> And I was like, you know, we definitely don't want to cross over with KOTD. So um, 11 a.m. on Mondays is when we're going to be doing that show because we've always wanted the ability to address the news that we miss on Thursday and Friday specifically. Sure. Because our show, we tape Wednesday nights usually and then we post Friday morning. So there's always breaking news that happens uh, before, you know, we are able to publish that we never get to. And then by the time we get to the next week, kind of feels like it's old news. And so yeah. – this is something we've been kind of, you know, stewing on for a while. And this work from home situation felt like the right time. The right time to give people more content, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's every Monday, 11 a.m. Pacific time. Going to be late today. Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. <laughs> yes, exactly. That will be late today. But hopefully if people haven't checked it out, they can. And then if for some reason people aren't keeping abreast of the situation, I hear the team expanded. Oh, yes, we did. So at PAX East this year, we announced that Rihanna Manuel has joined What's Good Games part-time, which is very exciting. So obviously, lots of KFBFs know about Rihanna and New, and they are just wonderful people. And Rihanna has been such an amazing part of the What's Good Games community really since we launched. And just getting to know her over the years of WGG has been phenomenal. And she approached me last year and was like, hey, I want to do more with what's good. Like, what can we do together? And I was like, actually, we might finally be in a position where we can, you know, hire someone part-time. And so we kind of talked about what she would be interested in and um, came up with a plan. And we started working with her in March this year. That's so great. Great time to bring her on too. (laughs) Just as everything goes to hell. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's just so great. And we love that she's going to be on the podcast once a month and more if her schedule allows. She, of course, like Steimer, has a a big girl job. And she just has been such a joy because she compliments the type of games that we all like. So she not only plays some of the more combat shooter focused games that I really enjoy, but she also plays some games that I don't really spend any time in. Gotcha. it makes like a really nice 
you know, complement to the kind of expertise that we all bring to the table. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad you guys are killing it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. But enough about that. Today, we're going to talk about Mario having a hell of a 2020, Resident Evil 3 reviews being out, and Final Fantasy VII might be coming to you early because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show, patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can give us your questions, comments, concerns, and squad up requests, and everything else under the video game sun. Of course, there you can get the show ad-free and the exclusive post-show. But if you have no bucks to toss our way, it's no big deal. You can go to twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames and watch us record the show live. If you're watching live, you have a special job. Go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosterteeth.com, and listening on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping for you, uh, as I mentioned at the top there, Resident Evil 3 re- remake reviews are out. Uh, you can catch ours on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and, of course, the Gamescast podcast feed. We'll talk about that soon enough. Uh, thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohammed, Mohammed, Momo, uh, Drew, Garnier, Frutis, Blackjack, and the Kind of Funny Destiny 2 PC clan. You know, Andrea, <laughs> I can't get away from this Destiny game. You left. I was like, it's done. Fran's rarely on stuff anymore. Then here they are. They're sponsoring the show. And I just saw Fran on DCP Live last week. I finally yep. was able to guess on that show, and um, he was on as well. But I love that your PC clan specifically was like, yo, we need some more players. Love Let's it. buy a sponsorship. <laughs> it's so good. It's so brilliant. Uh, today, we're brought to you by What's Good Games Live, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. Time for some news. Six items. Are you crying or laughing? Uh, Baker doesn't. I have a mouthful of breakfast. Oh, uh, what do you? Like, um, two eggs, bacon. Damn. Focaccia bread with some uh, cheddar cheese. Wow. Oh wow, we went big today. Okay, I like that. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, number one on the rope report: Nintendo Switch's 2020 looks like it's going to be dominated by Mario. Uh, This is Tom Phillips over at Eurogamer. Nintendo Switch's first-party lineup for the rest of 2020 will be dominated by Mario games old and new to coincide with the original Super Mario Bros. 35th anniversary. That's according to Eurogamer sources with knowledge of Nintendo's upcoming plans who have corroborated a report posted by VGC. First, the report states Nintendo will release, quote, most of Super Mario's 35-year back catalog this year remastered for Nintendo Switch. There's no detail on which games this includes, but the article includes a banner image of Mario Galaxy, perhaps intended to suggest the Wii Classic as one of these games. Eurogamer sources have indicated that Mario Galaxy is indeed one of the games being ready for a remaster, alongside a couple of 3D Mario favorites. Update, Gamatsu has now confirmed these as Super Mario 64 and Mario Sunshine, which Eurogamer can corroborate. Uh, Many earlier Mario games are already available on Switch via the console's online uh, SNES and NES apps. Second, the report states several other Mario titles will release in 2020, including a new Paper Mario. Eurogamer sources have confirmed a new Paper Mario is in the works, along with a deluxe edition of Super Mario 3D World, which will include an array of new levels. This long-rumored Wii U port is one of a couple of first-party first-party games from Nintendo's previous console currently due for a new lease on life in 2020. When contacted for this story, Nintendo gave Eurogamer its traditional response that it did not comment on rumor or speculation. Andrea Renee, 
What yes, is your reaction? Right. I'm super excited about this. Obviously, we knew that Nintendo was going to be remastering some of its legacy library for Nintendo Switch. Like, that was going to happen. They do it for pretty much every platform they have. But I think that this comes at a great time because we know that their release schedule is probably not going to be at least the same cadence as it would be in a normal year because of mm. everything that's happening globally with COVID-19. Mm, but mm. I think that this is a really good set of like comfort game titles that people will really love and gravitate towards. And sure. certainly I'm going to be buying them one more time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. To play Sunshine again, for sure. Sunshine, a game I loved on the Wii and haven't played since then. So to get back to that, I'm super stoked for. However, our opinions barely matter on this because you know <laughs> we work with Tim motherfucking Gettys, who of course is a huge Mario fan. I uh, reached out to get a quote from Tim and this is what he wrote. And it starts with Tim voice. So I'm sorry, guard your ears. Let's fucking go. This is 10 out of 10 Tim Gettys Gatorade get hyped decade of dreams material, ladies and gentlemen. I will play every re-release of Super Mario 64 till the day I die. But Mario Sunshine and Galaxy are way past overdue for some playthroughs. I am going to assume Galaxy 2 is also part of this somehow. My biggest questions with these are how are they released? Piecemeal? And he misspells piecemeal? In some sort of Super Mario All-Stars 2? Uh, and more importantly, what does remaster mean? Are they just up ports? Do we finally get Mario 64 in widescreen? Are they all redone in the Mario Odyssey engine? Real quick, hey Andrea, I miss you. Moving on, after almost two decades of Nintendo refusing to just do what every Super Par or whatever Paper Mario fan wants, if this new Paper Mario isn't the Thousand Year Door style, so help me God. Honestly, though, <laughs> the best thing about all of this is that it criminally underplayed Super Mario 3D World will finally get the respect it deserves with new levels. Jesus, talk about a game that will benefit from being on the Switch. But will we ever get a 2D Mario with, uh, with an actual creative and fresh art style and finally make the new Super Mario Brothers style old? Old time will tell. BT dubs. Anyone saying that this is too much Mario, find some magic in your heart. The only thing this kind of the only thing that kind of bums me out is that these leaks robbed us of all the melting down during the utterly relentless Mario Direct. I guess Jason Schreier and friends really wanted to save some laptops. I don't understand. <laughs> Anyways, I would trade all of this for a Super Mario 64 remake that looks like the 90s as fuck OG concept art. And then he put in some links there, Kev, if you want to toss it in. But good I feel Lord. Like there would be one of these Tim Gettys moments, right? Like Time will tell. And then he like winks to the camera. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Ah, <sighs> oh, Tim, I miss you too. I could totally hear exactly how he would read this story if he was doing KFGD with us right now. Of course, of course. Uh, Tim, uh, uh, Kevin is throwing up Tim's art right now to see some of this artwork he wanted there. Uh, there you go. Yeah, nice. Some more stuff. That's how it would look like. Uh, yeah, so then we actually have questions here, Andrea. From, okay. of course listeners and viewers like you, ladies and gentlemen, the five-star man wrote into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can and says, Hey, KFGD crew with the reports hitting about Mario games being remastered and new games being worked on. What do you think the original release plan would have been assuming COVID has had an effect on the schedule remasters coming earlier this year, and then maybe a new game for holiday, or is that too soon? Also, do you think the new game will be an Odyssey sequel or a whole new Mario IP? Maybe Tim will finally get his updated art style. Uh, I want to bring in the Sheep Whisperer before we answer, Andrea, because his qu or their question applies as well. If this turns out to be true and we do get remakes, remasters, or just plain re-releases of Mario games like Galaxy, Sunshine, etc., uh, do you think they will be piecemeal, or do you think they'll bundle like Super Mario All-Stars? Let's start there, Andrea. When you see this, and we're talking about this release schedule, like Five Star Man's talk, you, and you brought it up too, right, of like comfort food in this time, 2020 being a weird spot for Nintendo. 
do you see this being one game or do you see these being spread out? That's actually a really interesting idea. I mean, my gut would say spread out because yeah. sell them all individually, you make more money and then you allow people to kind of pick which ones they want. Yeah. But I mean, making a bundle isn't necessarily a bad idea either. Making them like a Mario legacy collection could yeah. be great because then you make it one price point and then everybody buys it no matter what because they want that one game in the collection and then they just get everything else included yeah. um it could really go either way but i mean i really want to see them make a super mario galaxy 3 mm. instead of a super mario odyssey 2 okay oh wow okay sure 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 yeah i can see it both ways and i think it, it is a situation where you can't have your cake and eat it too where i think you could put out a super mario all-stars 2 or whatever you want to call it right and super mario all-stars switch and have it be one bundle of all the games and then digitally you could sell them all piecemeal as well but as we're talking about for nintendo you know i think the big uh cry from the fan base so far this year in 2020 is we don't know what they're doing like what does first party nintendo for switch look like this uh, year and so if Zelda 2, if Metroid, if all these games that we do know are in the works aren't ready, I think doing this piecemeal and sp- spacing them out through the year leading up to the new Paper Mario, if that is the the new the one new Mario game you have, that's what would make sense to me. Uh, I don't think you want to blow your wad too early and put all these amazing games, right? Galaxy, 64, Sunshine, putting them in, in deluxe Super Mario World, putting all those into one collection is awesome. And obviously it would be a good guy Nintendo move if they sold that at 60 bucks. However, I think, yeah, number one, business-wise, you could make more money. And then number two, you could make a bigger event if, hey, for this, I don't even know, I'm not good at math, what, five-month period? Maybe yeah, five month period. We're gonna have a new Mar a new Mario game every month leading up to a brand brand new Mario game. That could be cool and a great way to celebrate the 35th anniversary. I agree, it would be cool, but it would be very untraditional for Nintendo. They've never done a release like that before, and I wouldn't imagine that they would do something dramatically different from a marketing perspective right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I do think that releasing at least one or two of these titles, you know ahead of the fall would be great. I think if we could get something like in May, in June or July around that time frame to kind of tide us over until later the holiday, that would be awesome. I think that it's great looking at more of their 3D focused Mario titles for Switch because we all know that those t- 2D games are classic, but they've been released on virtually everything that of Nintendo course, yeah. put out. And I think that they also want to bolster their nintendo online subscription service and a great way to do that is say hey let's instead of you know releasing this for a set price point say oh you can only buy it or you can only download it if you get a nintendo online subscription much like Mm -hmm. they've done Mm -hmm. like they did with tetris 99 when it first came out yeah so i don't i mean i don't know i mean speculate we can speculate all we want i'm just glad that this is hopefully happening That's the bigger thing, too, is I hope it's real. Like, it sounds so great, and it sounds awesome, and I would love to play Galaxy again, and I would love to see... I haven't played 64 since I had a 64. I didn't... I skipped the DS or 3DS uh, remake, so getting that back, seeing those, I obviously hate on Sunshine all the time, but that's just because I was disappointed with it at the time. I'd love to play it again and see how it holds up. Uh, More Mario in general is great. I do agree with uh, both what Tim said and then the excitement over having Super Mario 3D World out, which was a game I really did enjoy, but only really played during IGN Let's Plays. I don't, I, I never actually put mon- many hours in because at home I hated my Wii U so much I refused to turn it on. I mean, I don't, I don't blame you for hating Thank your you. Wii U. It was just, 
it was just one of those periods of Nintendo's history that we all prefer to maybe not remember. Um, but I think that it's interesting kind of looking at some parts of the questions here of, you know, are we going to get something besides, you know, Mario and the holiday? And I don't, I don't think so. I think if Mario is going to be the franchise that Nintendo decides to go with for 2020, mm. especially in a year that's really important for them to hold their own against the brand new consoles coming from Xbox and PlayStation, they want to go with their biggest gun and their biggest gun is definitely Mario. And we don't traditionally see Nintendo release multiple large franchise next to each other, right? We're not going to get like a Zelda and a Mario like in November, I mean, it's possible that, you know, with Animal Crossing being right now, that that's like their dominating for the yeah. first half of the year. And then second half is going to be Mario. I don't anticipate them saying, oh, you know what? Let's throw some Metroid in there. Let's throw some Zelda in there. That to me seems like, you know, not really a possibility. What in, what, what's interesting about it, too, is the dilemma of what Mario do you end on? Because I think you'd say, oh, well, the brand new one. But Paper Mario doesn't have the same cachet and or fan base of a regular mario and so a deluxe super mario 3d world like it, granted it's a re-release of a game that's been out forever but it is it does have new levels and again it's coming from coming from the wii u which meant games got criminally underplayed and so you look at the success of mario kart 8 deluxe i don't think nintendo's gonna shy away from that i think if they were to end on one maybe they do end on the deluxe version of super mario 3d world this Mar this amazing mario game you can play multiplayer and have all this fun with and you didn't play probably uh, no, but when you say end with, what do you mean exactly? I mean, their last one. I feel like they're building up to what is the final one they're putting out for the year. What I, I think the re-releases... Well, release in 2020. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm talking about in the, in this lineup of how, however they're putting them all out. I think you end with the biggest in quotes. What What is the one that is going to be your big Mario holiday release like we were talking about? Like, what is your big your final big Mario fall game? If it's not a new Mario game... Well, yeah, because I'm saying, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I, I, when I can't see your face, I, I thought you were asking a question. I saw you, I saw now you're, you're pontificating. Oh, okay. Sorry. Apologies. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just trying to understand what you were, what you were referring to. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that's an, that's an interesting idea I hadn't really thought about. And I don't really have it. I'm just saying, I think the, I think the one they'll make the bigger deal about, even if it, there is a brand new from the ground up Paper Mario, I think they'll make a bigger deal about Super Mario 3D World Deluxe. Oh, 100%. Okay, way. cool. That's what I, yeah, that's, that's yeah. the point I was driving towards, but we're okay. lost. In, we're lost out here. There, <laughs> there's no, there's no lighthouse for us. Andrea. Yes. Number two on the Roper Report. The Resident Evil reviews are up. There is a roundup here on Kind of Funny Games Daily for you. Uh, when I jotted down the Metacritic, it is at an 8.0. This was at 8.54 a.m. Pacific time, however. Uh, let's start at one of the top ones. IGN gave it a 9.0. Lucy O'Brien, the lion wrote, as the credits rolled on Resident Evil 3's campaign, I immediately started playing it over again. Not because I felt like I missed anything the first time around. I was a fastidious, I was as fastidious as developer Capcom encouraged me to be, but because my journey through Raccoon City was so consistently packed with tense monster moments and breakneck paced fun, and it was so challenging throughout its six odd hours that I wanted to jump in and do it all over again with sharper skills and knowledge. My undying enthusiasm for it speaks volumes to the polish seen in this remake and the finesse with which it manages to, to tread the tightrope between a confident modern horror and a tonal callback to the original Resident Evil trilogy. Easy Allies gave it an 85. Huber wrote, or and then said, uh, Re <laughs> Resident Evil 3 is a superb reimagining that complements last year's Resident Evil 2 by prioritizing fr frantic action without compromising its horror roots. 
Jill and Carlos's emotional journey is bolstered by threats that build their bond in convincing ways, while Nemesis remains one of the series' most memorable creations. More than a few surprises await veteran residents of Raccoon City. Then we start to go down a bit. U.S. Gamer gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, Katie McCarthy says, Resident Evil 3 finally repositions its place as not just a true sequel to Resident Evil 2, but as a bridge to Resident Evil 4, both in action and plot. While it streamlines the formula of Resident Evil 2 into something more linear, it's still the best way to dodge through Raccoon City with Jill and Carlos, even with Nemesis always on your tail and the occasional clunkiness here and there. With a breezy runtime, Resident Evil 3 is well worth revisiting. Maybe, just maybe not Resident Evil Resistance, which of course the multiplayer game bundled in that most people are not talking about because it hasn't been out long enough. Uh, and then GameSpot has a review in progress. They're giving the single player a six. Uh, Alessandro, friend, uh, writes, or writes in, wrote on his review. Uh, as a remake, Resident Evil 3 not only falls short of honoring its source, but it also doesn't quite stick the landing as a standalone horror experience. Even without taking into account the original game or its predecessor, RE3 struggles to keep up with its pace amid a clashing of elements from survival horror and standard action. While it has a strong start and gives its principal villain some great moments, this truncated retelling of the of the concluding game from the original Resident Evil 3 trilogy, or Resident Evil trilogy, doesn't do it proper justice. Andrea, have you played this and or how much has Brit screamed at you about it? Um, so I have played a little bit of it. Okay. I haven't finished it yet. Um, because as you can imagine, it's quite a stressful game to play. Um, and as someone who played it, yes, this, I say it in my review, this was legitimately in the the very front of that game. I was like, motherfucker, like, I don't want to play anymore. (laughs) I'm way too stressed out right now. Yeah. And like, we're in stressful times. The last thing I really thought in my life right now is something that's going to cause me even more stress intentionally. Um, A game that literally opens with the line, the pandemic swept the country by surprise, took the country by surprise. Like, ooh. Yeah, it's um, it's rough chuckles for sure. But Britt and I played the demo. Well, I played the demo while Britt made fun of me uh, <laughs> last week um, on the stream. But of course, she has played it multiple times. She has a lot of thoughts that she's going to give, um, you know, in What's Good Games right after this. But um, I, I mean, she's a Resident Evil lover. So no. I anticipate her, you know, liking most of it but then probably having some issues but i don't know i asked her um to send in a couple thoughts that we could read and i think she's just a little busy this morning so if you do want to more whiskey yeah i have to come come to what's good Uh, yeah, so like I said, our review's up right now. It is myself, Blessing, Tim, and Imran. We're all in the same place, varying degrees of it, where it was good. We we all liked it, but it wasn't as good as Resident Evil 2, which I think... Uh, yeah, sorry, I was going to say, sorry to interrupt you. I feel like that's, we all knew that going in, right? That it wasn't going to be able to live up to like the amazing bar that RE2 sent. Sure. Or- yeah, so it was one of those that I, I you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. Uh, it's enjoyable for sure. My my main takeaway from it, it's enjoyable. I, I liked uh, Nemesis the most at the front, and then throughout, I think they water him down, and the boss fights are... they. I know one of the reviews I just read talked about a callback to its roots. They get way too, like, yes, this is what a battle used to feel like in the PS2 era. I don't want that again. Like, this is not smart design. Nemesis was completely terrifying the first few times I saw him, and now he's kind of boring to fight, and he's just wandering around me. I digress though. Sorry. Do you think it's because they it, it I don't want to say they rushed out the remake, but it feels like because it came so so quickly after the RE2 remake, it's almost like they didn't put as much care into redesigning specific elements of the game like they did for RE2. I saw one of the I'm sorry. Do you think it's just 
that's just the bones of the game. We're never going to get any better. See, I think I think it's a bones thing. And I'm talking out of turn because I didn't play Resident Evil 3. The Resident Evil thing, I, you know, if you're new to the, the Greg Miller storyline, right? Like zombies are my favorite horror movie. I love zombies. I couldn't get over the controls and how bad they were. I thought as tank controls in Resident Evil. So I missed Resident Evil up until Code Veronica was my first one and then started playing. Um, and then really didn't click, though, for a long time. Um I think from what one of the comments on the YouTube thing was literally like, well, Resident Evil 3 itself, what the original wasn't that great. So there's no way. And I, so I do think it comes down to bones in a way of like, you want to honor what it was, you want to do things with it. And so, yeah, like all it, it just for me personally, and these aren't spoilers, especially if you watch the trailer, like it just doesn't totally add up that like the first time I ran into Nemesis, he's cutting off ev- anywhere I turn to run, he jumps to, like basically teleports to. And it's like, fuck, this guy is terrifying. This is like legitimately when I kept dying and I put it down, I was like, fuck do i have it in me as a horror game fan to keep playing this but then to get to now he uses a rocket launcher and slowly trods around this one giant crate to fight me i'm like all right like this isn't this isn't even fun gameplay you know and then you add that and the game's beautiful except for carlos's hair game's gorgeous except for his hair everything else is stunningly is stunning that game and i liked the pace it moved at um, I like the I like Jill. I like everything that's happening. But then again, it was that you know I rolled credits in. I think it was five and a half hours. And whereas RE2, you know, you finished and then played the other campaign. This one, it would be like Lucy's talking about. You just restart it, and there's some you know different uh, modifiers you can put on it. But there's not like there wasn't a real encouragement to go back to it. And so this then came up in the argument too of it's sixty bucks for a five and a half hour campaign. Granted, it comes with this multiplayer, but I'm do I do we care about the multiplayer? Like that's a specific, it reminds me so much of a ps3 era where it was we're making this great single player game but we know everybody loves multiplayer and we don't want you to sell it back to gamestop so we're putting in a multiplayer mode that nobody gives a shit about and i can't speak to if resistance is that because i haven't but uh, that's my read on it i guess yeah i don't i don't know why they decided to do that i feel like it's not anything anybody was really asking for i think think, honestly i think they did because they know how short it is i think and again re3 in general from what i understand short as well so it's like you're not adding much onto it they're trying to make the package more appealing sure but i feel like the people who are gonna buy in for re3 remake we're gonna buy it regardless of if the resistance multiplayer was in there because re2 remake was a pretty short game i mean sure you can make the argue about replayability with the different scenarios you're like a b formulas you know and unlocking like the secrets and things like that but i feel like the people who are the market for re3 are going to get it regardless like why why tax your team making that multiplayer aspect when potentially those resources could have been used to full uh, like you know further revamp some of the elements of re3 that clearly fell a little flat according to i think it's different teams but i and i I think it's part and part i think it's the idea would be that both games are helping each other in some way where adding the multiplayer to re3 makes it closer to being a 60 dollar package and then taking the multiplayer and putting into RE3 helps because obviously RE3 is going to have a bigger fan base than a random Resident Evil multiplayer thing. Like, even though I have no real interest in it, like I now own Resistance, right? So if I do hear people playing it or there was like, hey, we should all go play it tonight or whatever, I'd be like, okay, cool, I have it. Like, there's that chance to get an install base, right? An actual player structure going. Right. 
Uh, to your wrongs, before we go any further, I want to get out here. Uh, nanobiologist has both of them. He says, Greg, Brandon Jones is the one who narrates the reviews for Easy Allies. You said Huber read it too. I know. As soon as it went out of my mouth, I knew it fucked up. All right? But I'm not going to stop the show to correct it. And then nanobiologist also follows up. RE3, uh, RE3 remake was made by a completely different Capcom team at the same time as RE2. It was not the same team that turned it around and made it in a year. Good correction there. Thank you. Uh, question though, Anakin JMT writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can. It says watching the games cast review for RE3 and Tim comments on how RE3 is a sequel to two, but has characters from one and how we are kind of expected to know who they are and their relationships with each other. Do you think Capcom should have done a remake of one in the style of two and three first? Do you think they should before they, I'm sorry. Do you think they should before they presumably do a remake of four? Um, Interesting question, right? I think the problem there is that remaking the original Resident Evil has been done before, and then already that one's been re-released, and so it starts to get so goddamn confusing as to what RE you're talking about when you talk about it that way. I think people have been clamoring for an RE2 remake, uh, and I think the fact that they wanted to deliver and nail that made sense. And it did make a fan out of me, right? Like, as I said earlier, Oh, I guess technically Resident Evil 7 is the one that made me a fan fan where I was I was playing that in VR. I was taking it off. I was having a great time. And personally, I'm still way more excited to see where we go from there rather than keep going back and remaking stuff. Uh, but I thought RE2 finally getting its justice and being redone. I think that's what the fans needed at the time. Andrea, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Britt and I have talked about this quite a bit on, on what's good. So like the idea that you know, RE2 was the right starting point. I think for longtime fans of the franchise, they agree with you 100%, Greg, that that's where it needed to go. Um, and that where it goes from here is going to be interesting because we know that, you know, from RE4 through like RE6, the series took a turn for the more action-focused, combat-focused style, yeah. which specific fans of Resident Evil really loved. And then other fans of Resident Evil really hated. And it was <laughs> like, kind of like a big divide, right? And so... Yeah. No, I kind of had posed to Britt, like, what game do you think that they would remake, if any, you know, instead of just focusing on RE8, you know, would they remake another one? And she seems to think that Code Veronica would maybe be the next thing that they would choose to remake if they had a team inside Capcom that wanted to keep doing that. I yeah. think, you know, we're going to have to look at the commercial success of this game to really see what Capcom's priorities are going to be. Because if this doesn't, you know, have the same kind of financial you know, benefits that RE2 remake brought to Capcom as a publisher, then maybe they'll choose to not make any more remakes and this will be kind of it. Yeah, I would think that once RE2 set the world on fire the way it did last year, that they probably looked, I, they must have a team working on eight, obviously. But then I think they really started, yeah, looking at what else they could remake and what else they'd want to remake and how they want to take it. Uh, again, I think it'd be cooler to go forward and keep, giving us new stuff but if there are to do it outside of a reboot right of just starting from scratch yeah i think code veronica makes a lot of sense i do think eventually now that re2 is done all eyes are on re4 right which is like arguably one of the best games of all time people adore so to see that with modern sensibilities and amazing graphics and all these things would be fascinating to see if that's where they end up actually doing it but no i don't think they need to go back and remake the original again yeah. uh number three Guess what? Europe and Australia, you might be playing Final Fantasy VII earlier than you thought. Uh, over on the Final Fantasy Twitter, I'm going to read a long letter they posted. The Final Fantasy VII remake team have worked extremely hard to make this game, and we are incredibly proud of what you are about to play. Our biggest motivator during the development was that so many of you were 
were willing us on, and we felt your enthusiasm and passion every step of the way. We had some hard decisions to make during the final few weeks before launch due to the disruption. I'm sorry, due to disruption to disruption channels. Uh, oh, no, due to disruption to distribution channels caused by the spread of COVID-19. These unique circumstances have made it very difficult to align timing of our global shipping. Our highest priority is that all of you, including those who live in countries currently facing the biggest disruption, can play the game at launch. So we made the decision to ship the game far earlier than usual to Europe and Australia. As a result, there is a greater chance that some of you in these regions will now get a copy of the game prior to the worldwide release date of April 10th. For other Western regions, including the Americas, copies will be shipped this week, and we feel optimistic that most of you will receive the game on for launch day. However, due to the challenging situation, we cannot provide delivery dates for each country and each retailer. Uh, we really want all of you looking forward to the Final Fantasy VII Remake experience. I fucked that up. Uh, we really want all of you looking forward to Final Fantasy VII Remake to play the game on April 10 and experience everything we have been working on together. To everyone, we would ask, we would like to ask a big favor. If you get the game early, please think of others and don't spoil it for them. We know there are potential spoilers that have been out there for over two decades as the original Final Fantasy VII was released in 1997. But Final Fantasy VII Remake is a new game that still has many surprises for everyone. All of our fans and players deserve to experience the game for themselves, and we ask for the support of our dedicated community around the world to ensure that. On behalf of the entire development team and everyone around the world that has worked on getting Final Fantasy VII Remake to all of you, thanks again for your support, and most importantly, please uh, stay safe. That's, of course, from the producer and director. Um, what a weird time to be alive, Andrea. <laughs> Games aren't getting delayed. They're being released early. It's I mean, it's kind of exciting, but also, I'm sure, incredibly frustrating for gamers who aren't in those territories, right? Yep. Um, especially in a game that's so narrative-focused and the reason why people really are excited to play, in addition to, you know, the revamped animation and combat, is, like, the story elements that are different. But, yeah, I mean, this yeah. happens with any kind of narrative-focused game, so hopefully, you know, you can get your mute words all set up on your social media channels and, you know, be wary of you know stay out of the comments on twitch yeah keep off the reddit um if you're you know really concerned about those story spoilers but i feel like with this happening that square enix should just release it globally everywhere ah, you know, like, the a really question oh go ahead a question it comes in with that exact same thought andrea the nanobiologist writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says what's good greg and andrea so why even keep the release date at this point if Square is trying to think of the fans while also trying to keep all the employees involved with the distribution process as safe as possible, shouldn't they just start releasing copies? Or is that leaving it way too much up to chance for when people will finally get to play the game? What about those who pre-ordered a game from the store that is now closed and cannot get their money back? Will they just be considered SOL uh, told, slash told to go digital by the developers, even if that may, may not be possible for some? So that's the really challenging part is that this idea that this physical pipeline to brick and mortar stores is absolutely interrupted right mm -hmm. now and would be interrupted even if there wasn't a global pandemic happening. You can't just, you know, flip a switch and boom, all of the physical copies are in the stores or shipping out when they need to be if you decide to release early. And it's challenging because you don't want to tell people who spent money pre-ordering 
that their dollars aren't as important as the people who are buying digital. You know, it's like, it's interesting because we've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks, if this pandemic is really going to push our industry specifically into digital distribution much faster than I think the infrastructure is ready for and really the publishers are ready for. I mean, we're seeing widespread, you know, internet congestion issues in addition to people like YouTube, Xbox, Sony publicly saying we're slowing down bandwidth, we're slowing down downloads intentionally to try to combat this congestion. So it's like, well, if you do just want to say, okay, everybody who's bought digital, you can go ahead and download. It's like, that's super not fair, right? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, how do, you, how do you do a rollout to make it fair? And I don't think that there is a way. I think like inherently, it's just always going to be lopsided if you do something like this, particularly in the face of the global pandemic that we're in. And that's the biggest thing about it. And I want you to know from the start of this, I'm not throwing shade at you, Nan, or anything like that. It's I think all of us getting so caught up in our little world where we're trying to take this pandemic and apply to the thing that we obviously are looking forward to and obviously want and have, you know, if you're a Final Fantasy VII fan, have lusted after for 20 years, right? Like it is the long and short that, video games are entertainment and don't matter that much. You know what I mean? Like they are, are art and I love them and they're my entire life. But I'm saying that to turn it around here and be like, why not do this? I mean, first off, Square doesn't want to do this. Their hand is being forced. This is from their statement, right? It sounds like a Hail Mary to try to make sure people in Europe and Australia get the game in time. I'm sure this uh, they're dealing with this costing them a obscene amount of money, probably in terms of speeding up shipping, getting these things expressed, doing whatever they're doing. So to take that part to it and then apply it to why not do that for the entire world, because it would cost even more money. And they're trying to take care of fans the best they can. And this is the best they can do right now to send them out early and totally grin and bear it and hope that people don't immediately go to Twitch and ruin the entire game, even though they could, and that's within their right. And they own the game. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many moving parts to this to then come back and like, you know, what about those who pre-order from a game that, a store that's now closed and they can't get their money back? Like, again, that, that's not on Square that the store would have closed because of this. And it's not on you, the consumer, that you pre-ordered a, a physical edition and now that store is not there to be open. That's just the fact that right now the world isn't fair. Like the world isn't fair right now in any sense of the imagination. We are, we've always said that and day in, day out, we are being proven <laughs> to be correct in that way. And so it is that at some point we have to sit there and be like, man, this fucking sucks, but at least it's not medicine. At least it's not food. The game store is closed, but the grocery store is still open and is still stocked. And they're trying to keep that production pipeline and delivery pipeline going. Like I hear you and I, it sucks. And if it, you know, if it was, some game that I'd been on the earth, I mean, there'd be that moment and that selfish moment where you're like, oh, fuck, God damn. But like, at some point we have to step back and look at the bigger picture and be like, okay, this sucks, but God bless you square. Try to make your money, try to take care of your people and try, I mean, this is them doing the best they can, right? This isn't them trying to gouge. This is them saying, fuck you, America. This isn't them doing it. It's them just be like, our hands are tied. We want to get this to you and we got to take this risk. And that's hard. And that's crazy. Yep. You said it. Sorry, I do that sometimes. No, don't be sorry. I mean, you were very, you were very thoughtful in your response. Good, Andrea. I miss you. I miss you too, Greg. One day we'll be in the same room again. It will happen. 
Number four on the Roper Report, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered. Looks like it's dropping this week. We're talking to, or this is Andy Robinson. I don't want to, oh, I'm talking to all of a sudden. Andy Robinson from VideoGamesChronicle.com reports. The much-tipped remaster, uh, which is thought to have been developed by Wisconsin-based Raven Software, is most likely to arrive with the PlayStation Store's big weekly update, which takes place every Tuesday. Modern Warfare 2 Remastered has been listed on the German PlayStation Store, which confirms that the remaster will cost uh, $24.99 and weigh in at 46.9 gigabytes. A trailer is also leaked. Uh, just like 2016's re-release of the original Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 Remaster, uh, re- Remastered will feature an updated version of the Shooter's Campaign. Uh, while there is no multiplayer mode included, some of the original game's maps have already been remastered for the 2020 Modern Warfare game, with more coming in its upcoming Season 3 update. Modern Warfare 2 Remastered will feature a tie-in with the new Modern Warfare and thus free-to-play Warzone, which shares the same item store. Cool. I got nothing, Andrea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good. I mean, it's been rumored yeah. forever. Go get them, COD fans. Sure. It's 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 nice. I mean, it's it's smart of Activision to say, hey, if we were waiting for a reason to maybe release this later as part of like a marketing push, maybe we just do it now because people are at home playing more video games now than possibly ever before. Yeah. So if it's ready to go, like ship it. Yeah, I wonder if that is the reason, if it was, you know, if, if they've been sitting on it forever or if it was already they were trying to shadow drop it here or how that all works out. I and if we'll ever guess, get the real story. Yeah, I would guess that if, you know, everything that's happening wasn't happening and we were going in, if this was in 2020 was a regular video game marketing year. Yeah. That they probably would have announced this or released it in May when they traditionally announced their new Call of Duty for the year. That's generally when they do their big splashy, like this is the Call of Duty that's happening obviously it leaks on Kotaku first and then they announce it like a week or two (laughs) later. Um, and then they show it in detail at E3. That's really been like their formula for the last, like however many years it's been. And so I would have guessed that's when they normally would have released it, but I mean, why not just do it now? Um, number five on the Roper report, games industry is rallying to fight uh, COVID-19. This is something we've been updating as we go, but Andrea, you dropped this one in here. What caught your eye? Um, so what I thought was really great about this is we, we know that there's a lot of people doing good and raising money for charities on Twitch all the time. Mm-hmm. And I got a press release about this specifically for, for who in the United Nations foundation. Um, and that this event had so far has raised over $2.77 million. And what's great about that is that it's a, it's a nice feel good story in a time where there's a lot of not feel good stories happening yeah. out there. Um, I did think it was interesting that there was so many artists that aren't traditionally associated with the gaming industry that were part of it. People like Ellie Golding, Mumford and Sons and, and John Legend. But what I thought was the best is talking about where the proceeds are going. So the COVID-19 solidarity, solidarity response fund which helps make sure that um, healthcare workers have critical supplies like masks, gloves, and more. It helps to make sure that more test kits are available and that health workers are trained on how to respond to COVID-19 and that scientists and researchers will have more funding for vaccine development, something I think we all can get behind. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been really cool to see everybody come together and start supporting in all these different ways too. It's crazy that, you know, obviously as the shelter in place has been extended even more, how much more we will all need to come together. But it's always yeah. good to see that. And it's good on Games Industry Up is for uh, keeping like a running tally, I know, of everything that's going on. You can get in there and see all of it. Yeah, I think for all of our psyches, like we need to focus on the uplifting part of this because otherwise we're just going to sink 
lower and lower and get more and more angry at each other. And we, we don't need that. We need to like persevere. And the best way to do that is to focus on the things that are going well and the things that we can control and the things that we can do to make other people's lives better. Yep. Well said, Andrea. And then to close out the rope report, number six, just a fun, fun story here for you, unless you're the person getting destroyed. Uh, PC players figured out a way on how to get into the Star Wars Jedi Academy console editions. And they're just destroying people. <laughs> this is Jordan Oleman at IGN. The console port of Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy is being invaded by veteran PC players. The news arrives thanks to a report from PC Gamer, which details the, quote, accidental crossplay, which has led to PC players facing off against those using Nintendo Switch or PlayStation 4 controls in Jedi Academy's multiplayer mode. Forums and social media platforms are amok with players complaining about PC veterans arriving in their multiplayer lobbies and wiping the floor with the inexperienced and more casual players on console who don't have the added benefit of pinpoint mouse and keyboard setup. As noted by user Max Payment on Reset Era, uh, it looks like PC players are finding console servers IP on the console versions of the game and then jumping into their PC, jumping into their PC version and connecting to that IP. This effectively bypasses the assumed restrictions and jumps straight into open console multiplayer matches, allowing PC fans who have been playing since the game originally launched back in 2003 to wreak havoc. It. Uh, it's a it's a Jerry Rig crossplay situation solution. Uh, many fans have voiced their concerns on Twitter with some responding to a tweet from Aspire Media, uh, the developer behind the console port, asking to fix the, asking the studio to fix the server of vulnerabilities. One reply from Twitter user Jedi Knight Hub reads, quote, I think we'd all rather you patch out the IP address being displayed, change the IPs, and do all you can f- from PC players do all you can from PC players from entering the servers. Please look into this. It's ruining the experience for the con- new console players, end quote. Obviously, don't get me wrong. Sucks if you're a console player and you want to get out there and have fun. But also in these times, kind of funny that like somebody who's so dedicated to this game from 2003, they're like, you know what? I'm going to boot it up and go kick the shit out of people on PC or on uh, console. Uh, sure. That's yeah. I guess that's one way to look at it. It's not how I look at it. I would look at it as like, wow, displaying people's IP address seems like a breach of security that I know still exists in a bunch of PC games and a bunch of online games in general, but like maybe don't, maybe just don't put that in your game anymore. Pretty important. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say this is a, uh, yes, definitely a reason not to do it. And yeah. uh, one of the lesser reasons not to display your IP address, but yeah, uh, I'm yeah. sure it'll be fixed probably by the time this episode posts, you imagine they're do hiding. You, do you though? Do you think enough people are playing this game that they're going to just like jump on a hot fix? You would think so, right? Like, it's a big deal. I saw, I mean, like, it's Star Wars. People love Star Wars. That's fair. Talking That's Star fair. Wars. And I think yeah. the fact that it's getting traction enough that IGN has it, we're talking about it. Like, there's yeah. a bunch here where it's like, ah, oh, geez. Like, clearly, this is now a story. They have to have something to say about it today. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the idea that PC players feel some kind of superiority going against Nintendo Switch players. Like, cool. Good job, buddy. You really did it. But, man, if you're getting a good XP boost, you know what I mean? Andrea, I can't wait to see how long it takes Aspire Media to fix this thing. But that's so far away. You know what else is far away? The upcoming list, because I need to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, Today's sponsor is none other than What's Good Games Live. You can watch it live. Twitch.tv slash What's Good Games. Mondays at 11 a.m. That's right. Right after this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily, there will be one. Right, Andrea? That's right, Greg. What happens on What's Good Games Live? 
Oh, this is really nice of you. And by the way, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Greg is just such a kind person that he's doing this as a, as a very sweet favor to What's Good Games. Um, so you can find Brittany and I talking about news from over the weekend and also taking questions in Dear WGG. We also will be doing a gameplay stream most weeks. I don't know what we're going to play today. We didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's a, a way for you guys to catch up with everything that What's Good Games is all about. If you've never joined us, if you've never downloaded an episode or been to our YouTube channel and you're like, yo, uh, I wonder what What's Good Games is like. You know, maybe we maybe What's Good Games Live is the place for you. So head on over twitch.tv slash what's good games right after Kind of Funny Games Daily today. Speaking of today, Andrea, today's today. And if I wanted to know what came to the mom and grop shops, where would I go? Why, Greg, you would go to the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Yeah. It's like riding a bike, I'm telling you. You're right back in the groove. You never, it's like you never missed a day. Uh, out today, what's the box on Switch? Stealthscape on PC. Memory on PC and Mac. Rushberry Mercs on PC. And then Kill Yourself on PC. Huh. Uh, new dates for you uh, for Star Trek Online the game's uh, first contact day celebration takes place on PC from April 2nd to the 23rd and on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 from April 9th through the 30th uh, Aeronautica Imperials or Imperialosses Flight Command uh, comes to uh, this may comes to Steam for PC Riot Games today announced a closed beta testing period for the much sought after game Valorant uh, will start April 7th the closed beta will be limited to players in Europe, Canada, Russia, Turkey, and the United States, with the possibility of a later rollout to more regions pending developments with the current COVID pandemic. Then, Square Enix today revealed that the cult classic third-person action RPG near replicant Ver 1.22, a whole bunch of numbers, is about to be rebuilt for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and at Steam other platforms. Uh, the release of near replicant version period one, period two, and a whole bunch of numbers gives those new to the game the opportunity to experience the origin of the near series uh, following the launch of the critically acclaimed near automata. Square Enix also announced today that Nier Automata will be available on April 2nd on consoles with Xbox Game Pass. Yay! Xbox right. Game Pass, Andrea. What a good one. Crushing it, man. Xbox. They just uh, deals, deals of the day for you. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Online is getting a free play event beginning April, uh, April 1st, so Wednesday, through April 13th, the next Monday. So you can play ESO for free. Free, 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 free. Andrea. Yes, Greg. Believe it or not, I'm doing it. I'm getting you out so you can go do your live show at 11 o'clock. Uh, it's time to squad up. This is where one of you writes into patreon.com slash games. Give me your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you, and everybody plays games together. Today, Alex needs help on PlayStation 4. The PSN name is APW5029. Hey, everybody. Trying to get that Doom Platinum, and I could use some help getting the 200 kills and weapon weapons expert trophies, because I really suck at the multiplayer mode. Would appreciate the help boosting this, and I'd of course be happy to die 200 times for your trophy needs in return. <laughs> My handle is APW5029, and I'm only available after 7 p.m. Eastern, because I try not to let my two-year-old son watch me slay demons. That's for the Good best. Enough. <laughs> yeah, good advice there on that one. Uh, if you want to slay some demons and do some stuff, get in there. APW5029. Andrea. Yes, Greg. We ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we 
can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe um uh first one comes from borzen double zero a member of the destiny 2 kind of funny pc clan who says andrea we crowdfunded the spot not to recruit but for twofold one to get our name on the wall of the new studio at kind of funny and two to make greg acknowledge the pc platform we host for a month <laughs> and you are doing it there you go it's more than TurboTax, apparently you know what i mean uh steve gerbs Right, so with the clarification, uh, I said I did not understand the laptop line and why, why Jason Trier was trying to save laptops. Clarification is this. Tim was referring to him destroying Andy's laptop during the Game Awards Joker review. Obviously, when Tim got too hyped. My apologies, of course. Uh, Kebab says uh, Greg was wrong. Super Mario 64 DS was on the original DS. Greg mistakenly said the 3DS. I can't keep him straight because I was playing PlayStation consoles. Oh, not you're wrong. That's too confusing for me, Nano. It's not anything. Okay. Nanobiologist then writes in with a different one. Greg, did you ever pay Andrea for saying games, pa- games pass a hundred times? Yes. I, I remember giving you a 20 or a $5 bill at some point on the show. That debt was paid. Yeah, it's, it's the 300 pizza bets we have on random ass shit from games. Cast, the one debt that I'm hasn't owed a pizza. Paid. Well, there's one debt that hasn't been paid by Barrett for losing to gary and to losing to me in the bet that gary barrett and i had about the delay for the last of us part two gotcha he has it, oh because it's still standing right volunteered. isn't it no i mean i won i won that bet and it, but he has volunteered to pay it i just haven't cashed it in yet gotcha i'm okay. still owed a pizza for what what do you order pizza for kevin i don't kevin? know man i keep throwing pizza things in there you guys keep agreeing something happened and i remember i'm owed a pizza but here I am, pizzaless. You're going to tell me, Kevin, that you think nanobiologist and kebabs are so on the ball that they, they, they've slipped suddenly on these pizza bets. If you were out a pizza, we would know you were out a pizza. I'm and we would a be, pizza. I don't believe it. I'll order you a pizza today. I'm, I'll laying, send you. I'm laying around here, no pants on, no pizza. It's bullshit. Also, but you just have eggs and bacon. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that was breakfast food. It's true. It's if like I send you a pizza, time. not only are you going to be in trouble with Paula, I'll be in trouble with Paula. All right, that's so that's the thing. You will be in trouble with Paula. All right, also, you're uh, able. We can hide it at the office now that she's <laughs> there. You can't hide it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Andrea. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Greg. This has been lovely. I am. I'm really glad that you guys are doing such amazing work in such a challenging time and. Knowing just how many moving parts there are when you're all in the office together doing it remotely is is a feat that I think the viewers of Kind of Funny don't quite have an appreciation for, but I hope that some of them do. Oh, a lot of them do. They've been really nice about it. Thank you so much for that, Andrew. That means a lot to us. And congratulations on you, the new show, the new the new hire. You guys Thank are killing you. it. Thank you so much. We're really uh, excited. And hopefully 2020 can turn around at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come see the studio with my own eyes and be in your new studio. That'd be nice. You're welcome to come down whenever you want. Once I'd love to be in one of the buildings I'm paying a lease on right now, <laughs> seeing as I have two for some reason, but no big deal. Uh, Andrea, where should everybody keep up with you? Um, Twitter is always the best place to find out everything that I'm doing at Andrea Renee on Twitter is where I link all of the projects that I'm working on. But of course, if you're not following what's good games, what's good underscore games on Twitter, you can find what's good on every podcast platform that you listen to kind of funny on. Um, we can also be found at youtube.com slash what's good games. And, uh, we have some cool stuff in the works. Hopefully that won't get completely delayed coming later this year. Plus our <laughs> coming up in May. So lots of stuff to look forward to on what's good games. 
Awesome. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, lots to look forward here on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Remember, each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. This week, your hosts look like this. It's going to be me and Imran tomorrow. Wednesday, it'll be me and Gary Witta. Thursday, Blessing and Tim. Friday, myself and Blessing. I might let him host that one. Um, of course, remember, you should write in patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Give us your questions, comments, concerns, bad PSN names, everything else. Of course, there you can get the show ad-free and you can get it with the post show i'm about to do andrew's got to go get ready for her show um that's stuff youtube subscribe like share all that jazz we're happy to be here for you just like you're here for us so thank you so much for that andrew once again thank you for your time we love you i love you guys until next time it's been our pleasure to serve you virtual handshake oh yeah um, hold on yeah that one no no that way there it is <laughs> oh the other way yeah, I know. It's bad. It's hard. It's hard. It's confusing. <laughs> uh, uh.